All right, Tyler. All right, Johnny. You like you too, don't you? Yeah. Then you might like Ramones by Ramones. So as the strains of Blitzkrieg Bop die away, we're here with another episode. And this week, once again, it's Johnny introducing me to a band that I obviously know about, but have never really indulged in in, in any great extent. Uh, so it's Ramones, Ramones. And my first question is, how hard is it for you to not say the Ramones? Quite hard. Although I'd say ultimately it kind of doesn't matter if, by the way, you're a Ramones fan and you've come into this not knowing anything about our show and that's the kind of thing that's going to make you think these guys don't know what they're talking about. Just leave now. Just <laughs> hey-ho, let's go. Just leave. Because um, no one has ever accused us of knowing what we talk about that's on the show. True. Yeah. So I will probably say the Ramones throughout, although technically, as on this album, as on my t-shirt, it is Ramones. Okay. And yeah. that's what the album is called. Although I think it's splitting hers. It's not as bad as when I hear people saying, oh, I love the Doves. I think that is just Doves. Manchester band, you know. Uh, but anyway, let's not worry about small things like that. You've got a question, Tyler. No, the reason I ask is because uh, I, I know that me and you are quite pedantic with, with bands like editors like Doves, and when people say the Doves or the editors... Marks them out as someone who doesn't maybe know that Yeah, we, we get kind of annoyed at that. But I think generally most people say the Ramones. I just think it sounds better on the tongue, to be honest. I, if they changed everything to the Ramones, and they refer to themselves as the Ramones quite a lot, so... I, I think it's just interchangeable, but technically, if you're going to be very, very pedantic, it's Ramones. Okay, so footnote, uh, whether we say Ramones or the Ramones, <laughs> it doesn't matter, and me and Johnny are not going to get annoyed. Off to a flying start here, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. Um, I'll, I've got written, the first thing I've got written on my piece of paper here is a disclaimer. Um, this is such a massive, massive album, I can't even say it, um, for so many people that we're going to be treading on a lot of toes. This is so iconic, it's so emotional for a lot of people it's the very depending on where you stand it's the epicenter of the punk movement so this is our review it's our personal take on it although we will be trying as always to make those u2 connections and i think that's where we've got to begin because there are so many u2 connections and quite frankly i think this is the album we focused on people who've been influenced by u2 mostly so far or were around about the same sort of time who just happened to be concurrent with them this is a band that influenced you too, and I think there's no other band you can say without the Ramones. Ramones, there wouldn't be you too. I I would add the Beatles. I think I, th- I think that's true, but the Beatles, I think, kind of works for any rock and roll band. I mean, as that as that kind of yesterday film was recently attested to, any rock and roll band, obviously there are some more than others, are going to trace their lineage back to the Beatles. And Elvis Presley and things like that. They are there are huge influences, but I think the Ramones in particular, because of when they hit and the influence that they played in the, in the young life of the band, they really galvanise you too. And we've got a load of quotes and a lot of stuff to get through to um to describe why they're so important. Because there might be a couple of you two f- fans out there who think Ramones, meh, heard of them before, but I don't really see how the connection there. Not many, but I think there might be some. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my first question, just to set this up, is um. Again, I don't really know a lot about the punk movement. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 
is this the start or is there something that say was an influence uh, on on Ramones and that was really that could arguably be the start of punk was there something mm. preceding this in in the in the years beforehand definitely um nothing is ever just the beginning of something no no it's not like everyone sort of woke up at one point and thought, oh, let's put on stovepipe hats and wear beards and now we're Victorians. You know? well, well, we all know the story of Cliff Richard uh, coining the phrase rock and roll. Where really? he, he, uh, he said this in an interview with Mark <laughs> Lamar and I have searched high and wide for this, this interview because it made me fall on the floor laughing. Cliff Richard was talking about listening to the radio one day mm. and Elvis Presley came on with Jailhouse Rock and I sat there, and Cliff Richard says this line, and I sat there and I thought, "Wow, that's the birth of rock and roll." <laughs> and that's what that's word for word what Cliff Richard said. And when I heard him say that in an interview with Mark Lamar years and years ago, I almost died. Mm. That Cliff that's that's how Cliff Richard sees himself. Uh, and uh, so the, the the term rock and roll was coined by Cliff Richard, sat in his bedroom listening mm. to Elvis Presley. Fact. Fact. <laughs> so, and if you've got that interview, please send it to me because I've looked. I've been searching for it for years at this point. But well, w- but was there a young Joy Ramone sat in his bedroom listening to the radio, going, "Wow, that's the birth of punk." Well, the Ramones are often seen as the birth of punk. I I would say you could split hers to whether it's Iggy and the Stooges or. You know, a number of different things. When did when did pub rock, for example, start to morph into punk rock? Did it really begin in earnest? On which you know, which side of the Atlantic did it properly begin on? For me, personally speaking, I think the Ramones are the birth of punk, or at least they are the the purest form of it that could be recognisable as punk. Definitely preceding the Sex Pistols and the Clash, who both went to see the Ramones and ended up having that influence and, and wanting to create a punk band i think whenever people say punk music they think of the sex pistols i personally don't like the sex pistols over, over here yeah i think they do oh yeah, yeah definitely over here yeah um i don't personally like the sex pistols very much i certainly don't like john lydon's later career and i think he's an absolute embarrassment as a as an elder statesman of punk these days i, but, I by the by i i think uh gonna get some tweets on this i yeah i think <laughs> there's an an image of punk yeah. that the sex pistols created well was created for them and given to them. No, there's. I, I think so. I think the Sex Pistols are a little bit more visceral. They have that anarchic, rebellious image attached to them, mm, which I don't. It's more on TV. Which yeah, which I don't. You know, it's it, it is. It's the outlandish nature, which I don't necessarily think. And again, think, uh, in my own opinion, that the Ramones or or the Clash, for example, had that attached mm. to them. They were a little bit more accessible, a little bit more radio friendly, even though it w- it might have been terrifying to parents to to suddenly hear the noises of Ramones or the Clash yeah. coming out of your, your child's bedroom. It's a little bit more accessible than the Sex Pistols. Yeah, I mean, the Sex Pistols were seen as that kind of bad boy image and just sort of violent, um, seemingly sort of violent gigs, safety pins, people gobbing on each other, all the stuff about punk that I think is incredibly just it's all the stuff that that surrounds it that is the most pointless stuff to it it's all the, the around the periphery it's targeted at angry young men it is but it, it's all just it's the tra- women. it's the track trappings of punk isn't it really like rather than the actual energy so to bring it back to the ramones i think the whole point of punk and this is for me and any definition has to be personal 
It's about do it yourself. And I'm not, I'm not worthless just because I can't play instruments to a virtuoso level. I can be in a band and I can enjoy it and it can be just as fulfilling as the prog rock bands that were, you know, kind of the rock dinosaurs that were around at the time during the mid-70s that you two were starting to coalesce into an actual musical group. On that note, let's read a couple of the liner notes from uh, Songs of Innocence because obviously that is a good place to go to see the influence of the Ramones and particularly Joey Ramone on you two. So brace yourself, here's some uh, here's some Bono notes. I couldn't sing with any of the jagged edges of great rock or punk rock singers. I sang like a girl. That felt uncomfortable until the Ramones happened to me, as they must happen to everyone, because Joey Ramone sang like a girl. He loved all the great sirens. You could hear Motown, Dusty Springfield, Ronnie Spector. You could hear an echo of your pain in his voice, and that's why you believed him, surfing into the future on a sea of noise. The four members of U2 went to see the Ramones playing in the state cinema in Dublin without thinking about how we were going to get in. We had no tickets and no money. My best friend Googie had a ticket and he snuck us through the side exit he pried open. The world stopped long enough for us to get in on it. Even though we only saw half the show, it became one of the great nights of our life. Edge remembers meeting his first love, Ashlyn, outside after the Ramones. And I could try and be myself as a singer. I just needed to find out who that was. So there's this sort of talked about gig that exists in the background of the Ramones that really galvanised them and taught them how they could do it themselves as a band, even though... They weren't massively talented. They certainly didn't have lots of money for equipment. It was a do-it-yourself do idea. And that, to me, is punk. The energy of punk is exhibited on even a, an album like Boy. It doesn't sound like a punk rock album, but it has that energy and it has that willingness to actually do something and put yourself out there and maybe try and find an identity. Other connections. You two used to play Ramones covers all the time, as I used to do in my band when I first got started, because they're easy. That's why we did it. Um, so glad to see you go as a firm favourite. And also, one of the reasons that, that you two actually were able to play on TV, another thing that boosted their popularity, was the fact that they lied about the Ramones songs and passed them off as their own. So a director basically went to come and see them, this scrappy garage band playing, and what Bono did was essentially tell everyone to play Ramones songs. So the director thought, oh, this is fantastic, these brilliant, well-crafted songs. When they actually got to the TV studio, then they just played their own songs. So that sort of little bit of sleight of hand, well, not little bit, absolutely ripping them off, catapulted you two to fame. Again, it's these things that mean that the Ramones, rather than just the generic sort of example of the Beatles, are fundamental to the band's history. So it was me talking along there. Have you got any questions? Uh, no, sir, no. <laughs> um, no, like, that's interesting for me to hear because obviously I... I kind of know the, uh, and I kind of know the story of you two and the 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 gig that they went to and and how much of an influence the Ramones have had on Bono, in particular, mm. uh, or in particular. Uh, but it, I suppose it's different from uh, for me hearing Bono talk about the Ramones, um, than than say if they talk about a band I'm more personally invested in. Yeah. Um. So I'm trying to think of. Who that might be the Beatles? So the Beatles. I'm obviously more yeah. into the Beatles than I am of, uh, particularly you know Angela Lansbury. So like, uh, if 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 suddenly Bono starts talking about the time Angela Lansbury drove him around Liverpool, yeah, then I'm I'm really interested in that, and I am I'm kind of fascinated by that that idea. Mm -hmm. But if if he starts talking about the Ramones, I'm I don't have that intimate or personal connection with them because yeah. I, I've never really given myself that much time to listen to. Uh, the Ramones. This is for for this week. It was the first time I'd ever listened to a Ramones album start to finish. 
Yeah, which is a brief experience, to be honest, isn't it? It's about half an hour. It is, it is brief, but it's uh, 14 tracks within that half an hour. Yeah, so it's quite an assault on the senses. Yeah, I, I need to lie down after <laughs> listening to this album. Well, good. Well, two things. Angela Lansbury connection. The reason why the Ramones are called the Ramones, famously, is because Paul McCartney used to sign in as... He used the name Ramon um, oh. as, his, as the second name when he signed the guest book. So Dee Dee Ramon put an E on it and they all became this, this brotherhood together. None of them are related. Just in case you're a YouTube fan and you know nothing about the Ramones, despite the fact they all wore the same clothing and had the same bowl haircuts, more or less, they're not, they're not related. There are people who still ask me that question, which is odd to me because they look so different. You know, If you look at the various heights of them, even on this front album cover, it's very obvious they are not actual brothers. Um, second point is, I like the Ramones personally, even though I would never claim that they're as fundamental to rock and roll music as the Beatles. I just like them more than the Beatles. I don't know why that is. I know most people will be like sort of tearing their hair out about that. I I prefer their songs. I don't want to say they're better because I think that'll just that'll just create a problem. But I listen to their songs a lot more. Even the the point that they went through during the you know later seventies and eighties where they apparently went off the That's rails. That's where I feel more comfortable with with Ramones. Like <laughs> with songs like Pet Cemetery. Pet Pet Cemetery is yeah. probably my favorite. Poison Heart. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably my favorite uh, Ramones song. I love that song. I think it's incredible. I, I think there's just like you too. There are different eras. There's the cool era, you know. I mean, there's not much of a cool era with you two, but I'd say like Joshua Tree and Acton Baby is probably the coolest and most acceptable they get to most people. Yeah. Most Ramones fans who would just wear the T-shirt and would never listen to any of the stuff from the 80s or 90s would would just like this and maybe the first couple or three albums, and they would see them as kind of dead after that point. You know, they became a bit lifeless and hacks. Something I don't agree with. Um. All right, so couple of other connections then there are, there are so many for you two and we we won't get through probably all of them there is a um there is a nice site actually which i which i went on called ramonesheaven.com which does have an article which goes through this in a lot more detail i was looking for a few ramones fan sites mm-hmm. and every single one of them seemed to be careful from the 90s like it's like they not many of them had been updated since the night it looked like a kind of geo cities kind of website yeah well they're not as established as as you two are they as as that no but they must have some tech savvy fans that can just tart these these websites up a little bit (laughs) they'll take it up with them maybe maybe that's it's the diy punk you know aesthetic being used in the in the digital era wow fine that's my that's my excuse um okay so in his last moments joey ramon apparently listened to in a little while and Joey really, really enjoyed that. And as the song finished, apparently uh, Joey's mother, Charlotte, said basically that he, he he died. And, I mean, that's kind of a huge connection to that. We also have the fact that Bono referred to this quite a lot. He talked about his friendship with Joey Ramone. He talked to him, um, even though Joey couldn't speak very well by that point in the hospital, he'd spoken to him quite a lot. And at Irving Plaza, there's an incredible recording of the Ramones song, I Remember You. Do you remember that from that Times yeah. giveaway? That is one of the best cover versions I think you two have ever done. It's so poignant. It's so touching. I listened to it again this week a couple of times. And it's incredible. From a bubblegum bu- bubble pop song, which was you know the, the first single, I think, off Leave Home, the second album, the Ramones. And it seems so kind of, yeah, just bubblegum and, and just happy and and very simple sentiment i remember you Ooh, it seems very simple it's kind of like blackbird yes yeah, yeah exactly stop bringing it back to the beatles <laughs> so that's paul mccartney not the beatles oh right, fine fair enough angela lansbury angela lansbury yeah sorry yeah. so 
there is a, a massive amount of depth, I think, in the Ramones. I know I might not be supported by a lot of people in saying this, but there, there is a huge amount of depth, a huge amount of feeling. And the other thing that gets forgotten about the Ramones in this whole idea of were they punk and were they not, which is kind of irrelevant at the end of the day, is that they had a lot of influence from from the 50s and from the 60s and from pop melodies. So even though you've got this brash guitar going on, and you can see this all the way through, even this first album, which is seen as, you know, iconic punk, you know, we're going to we're gonna murder our girlfriends and chainsaw them up and everything like that. There's so much heart and soul and just romance on this album, which is really weird to a lot of people. Yeah, there's that, I think um, they like to play characters or get into the characters of songs and mm. uh, write songs in, like, the guise of... For example, like a, a persona of a serial killer, and you yeah. know, like what song would that guy write? Yeah. Um. And and I I found myself really getting that image. Like at no point did I think that Joy Ramone wanted to go and chop up his girlfriend with a chainsaw. <laughs> no, of course not. Um. Which maybe some parents in the seventies thought that that was really the message of the song. Yeah. But it, at that time, I imagine they were really playing with the craft. Uh, of of a record or of a song, mm. uh, so yeah, I get I get that, and uh, I kind of appreciated it because obviously people took that and just made careers out of being a character. Yeah, Alice Cooper, for example. Yeah, um, you know, you don't actually hear any any uh, any songs by Vince, whatever he's. I always forget his surname. Yeah, I've forgotten it too. It's something quite it's, bland. Vince Fernia or something like that. Something. It's yeah. something not very rock and roll. Just as Joey Ramone, one of the most rock and roll names ever, was Jeffrey Hyman. He yeah. a gangly teen, incredibly awkward, um, very socially socially difficult to, to interact with, but on stage and in these personas came alive. Yeah. And that's another thing that I love about the Ramones. Punk to me isn't about, oh, I've stuffed something through my face, I'm gonna spit on one of my fans and I'm gonna um you know, be horrible to my girlfriend, out of the Sex Pistols, and then advertise butter later on in ads for some reason uh, in life for some reason. Um, okay, let's stop getting getting at uh, Johnny Rotten. Okay. <laughs> well, well. Anyway, anyway, um, he was drunk on a panel recently and was just absolutely mind blowingly. He's punk, irritating. baby. He's punk. See, again, that's not punk to me. What's punk is overcoming insecurities and what people think is a rock star and refashioning Rockstar in your own image. And that's what Jerry Ramone did, and that's why he's an absolute legend. Um, right, let's carry on. So, <laughs> so a legend, or if you will, a miracle, because obviously we have the miracle of Jerry Ramone, uh, to which Marky Ramone commented, um, I'm very grateful you two wrote a song about my former friend and bandmate, Jerry Ramone. Jerry would have been honoured. It's well-deserved. So that's really nice. I think a lot of Ramone's fans were absolutely aghast at the fact of you two um, writing this song and a lot of people would say oh you two they've got nothing to do with the Ramones this is so annoying they're co-opting him again I'm going to keep coming back to this the spirit of punk and of the Ramones is encapsulated in that song as we said in our review go and check it out if you want to get our full actual statements on it by the fact that they didn't just write a cod Ramones copy you know with three simple chords played very very fast they got an energy and a kind of a moment where the world tilted and you two realized they could be a band and they could inspire people. So, and that's the miracle of Joe Ramone, not the bare fact that, you know, this is punk and that isn't punk, man, you know, because anyone who says that isn't punk is kind of self-defeating, I would, I would argue. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a discussion I don't want to get into. Just uh, finish your notes and then we can get into the top 10. All right. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. Screw it. Let's just get into this, shall we? So, um, 
yeah so the bare, the bare bones about the album the album the album facts before we do the um before we do the rundown it's the debut album by the ramones it was released on april 23rd 1976 uh, on sire records the band basically did this on a shoestring budget joey said doing an album in a week and bringing it in for $6,400 was unheard of, especially since it was an album that really changed the world. It kicked off punk rock and started the whole thing, as well as us. I mean, that's quite... Uh, I mean, so Jerry Moan apparently thinks that this is the, the the record that kicked off punk rock, and, you know, with good reason, but he's not holding back. But, yeah, seven days, $6,400, and you've got one of the most iconic and successful, and not just critically, but eventually commercially selling albums in the world. So, Tyler, what sort of arena, musically, was that arriving into? Hit it! Okay, so, well, don't hit it just yet. No, that's the music starting. Cut the music, all right? Okay. You have a choice. Do you want the uh, UK chart or the Billboard chart? Uh, I, I was thinking about this before. Should we just always keep it as a UK, <laughs> UK one? Uh, we, can, we can do. Can you give us the top three of the American one as well? I'll get, yeah, I'll, I mean, so It's I'll... not like this information isn't... not isn't available freely i'll uh i'll so i'll do the uk one and then i'll tell you the top three of, in in the us at the yeah. time okay hit it again hit my music in the number 10 this week up from 21 we've got get up and boogie by silver convention in at number nine you see the trouble with me by barry white at number eight love me like i love you by bay city rollers number seven girls 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 by sailor number six I'm Mandy, Fly Me by 10cc. In number five, the theme from Mahogany, Do You Know Where You're Going To by Diana Ross. Number four now, uh, Jungle Rock by Hank Mazel. In number three, Music by John Miles. Number two, a non-mover, Fernando by ABBA. And number one for another week is Save Your Kisses For Me by Brotherhood of Man. I knew one of those songs. Uh, yeah, it's. Um, I have to admit, the seventies is a bit of a mystery to me. Um, yeah, it just shows you how much um, stuff goes by the wayside, you know, beyond all the iconic sort of I stuff. I imagine we know some of them. I know Get Up and Boogie, and I know Fernando. I might uh, know some of them if they were played, but no idea. Yeah, okay. What, what about the American top three? Uh, then? So the top three on Billboard in at number three, we've got Right Back Where We Started From by Maxine Nightingale. Number two, Let Your Love Flow by the Bellamy Brothers. I think that's... Gonna let your love flow. Yeah, that prob- one? Probably. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in at number one, Disco Lady by Johnny Taylor. Right, so none the wiser then, really. No, not really. And completely irrelevant to uh, alternative music like this. Yeah, so hey-ho, let's go. And get on with Ramones. Okay. Bye, Ramones. <laughs> So we kick things off this week with track number one, Blitzkrieg Bop. It's two minutes, 12 seconds, uh, written by Tommy Ramone and Dee Dee Ramone. And this was actually the first single released in February 1976. So a couple months before the album came out. Um, so really, this is where I was at listening to this. This is the first time I have ever, ever, ever sat down to listen to a Ramones record. Mm-hmm. Uh, from start to finish, at least. And... It was really interesting. Um, it's kind of the audio kind of builds up, the sound builds up uh, in in a way that you really start to hear your headphones filling up 
uh, and it's it's kind of like an attack of a, of a, of a song. Mm. Uh, so I was quite impressed with that because obviously now these days we're listening to remastered versions, uh, but you must have had an effect like that in the seventies on the on that record, surely. Obviously, it's it sounds cleaner these days when we listen to a remaster, but mm. surely kids were just hearing that you know the the music and the drums uh, and the guitars just slowly filling up all silences on the track yeah do you, it, know, do you know what i mean by that it's got a real intensity to it as it kind of blazes in um to return to the beatles um <laughs> once again the the original decision for the sound of this and the production of this album was something that i think to us now it seems like oh that's just what records of the 70s sounded like not true really now if you listen to this you'll notice that there is a very very strong splitting of the instruments Apologies if people have heard this over and over again, but I think it's interesting. Bass down the left, guitar down the right. Very, very strong. Okay. So Good, good stereo track. Yes, exactly the same as the Beatles used to do it. So it was done not quite in this sort of very, very separate kind of almost you hear the instruments in a different room to each other. There is a little bit of bleed to, to both of them, but it is definitely tracked to one side. I bet I've said left and right in the wrong order now, but it doesn't matter if I've said that. Um with the vocals and the drums going right down the middle. So you get that real assault of the idea you stood right in front of the band and you can hear where it's coming from, from the actual musicians as they're in front of you. That was a technique that they, they did on purpose for this album. I think to make it even seem a little bit earlier than it actually was. There were loads of albums by this point that were doing a lot more sophisticated techniques. And the other thing is seven days in the studio, less than seven grand dollars to, to actually create this that raw sound comes from that DIY aesthetic really. So I think that's why it might it might sound like that. But they went into the studio saying, we're only going to play these slightly slower than we do live. They used to absolutely thrash through these songs live. And the idea was to get it down to the minimum amount of frills. No solos, nothing that could be described as kind of a blues note or anything that would compromise the very, very simple chords that were going on. Play it fast, have your legs spread out as far as possible, your guitar down <laughs> down low, and hit the audience with with everything that you've got. It is interesting you say that they, they, they only play it slightly slower because I noticed that it, it seemed to be... It seemed slower to me. Mm. I, I, I think I've associated them with documentaries I've seen over the years yeah. where they are literally thrashing it out to the point where Joey Ramone can't keep up with the lyrics. Yeah. Later later albums like Loco Live, yeah. the song is almost indecipherable. It's so fast to the point where Joey's you can't separate the words. He's just going like that. It's so fast. It's ridiculous. I got I but I got this like restrained feeling from it. It's like, oh these guys are like Yeah. It's like they're pent up and the they they want to let go, which for a first track on a debut album is like it that's a really good feeling because mm. they're not letting go just yet. They're keeping it together, they're keeping in time. Mm. Uh, and and they are in a they are amazingly tight on this record oh, yeah, considering yeah. how fast and how loose they they can get on live recordings they really stick really tight mm. to a time signature in 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 this uh in this first song at least well i think tommy ramone doesn't get as much credit as he should do for pioneering this style of drumming it's incredibly difficult as an amateur drummer it's so difficult to keep up with a lot of these tracks well, it's you, so it's so weird for a drummer to be so integral in actually writing the songs yep, loads loads of credits that he writes and he actually um 
talked quite a lot about this because obviously the the idea of Blitzkrieg, the idea of lightning war that Hitler pursued is a big factor on this song. Now, originally the story around the song is just that Tommy wanted to write about a, a gig or the intensity of, you know, the piling in the back seats and everything just going crazy at a gig. And it was called it was called Animal Bop. Um or something like that. Animal something. Um but there was a slight change that Dee Dee came up with just to make it a little bit more complex or or weird sounding. Um so I'll just read read out the quote from from Tommy who basically is talking about the idea that this is secretly some sort of um, fascist song. That's all nonsense, refutes Tommy. The original title of the song was Animal Hop. So it was Hop, not Bop. Dee Dee came up with the Blitzkrieg Bop because he wanted to Ramonesize it. And we'll come back to that idea of what it means to Ramonesize something. So I think once you get into that, you can understand this album a little bit more. Anyway, and he changed one line. It used to be the shouting in the back now. And he wrote it to, let's go shoot him in the back now. This might have led to the conspiracy ideas, but they're not the original lyrics of the song. Dee came up with the title and that line, but the rest of it is mine. So yeah, Tommy had, he wrote this song. But I do think that little thing that Dee added there, just to change it, the Blitzkrieg bit and the shoot him in the back now, that's what gives a song its edge and its intrigue. He's thinking, this is about a gig and yet it seems to be about people being lined up and shot. And then there's that link to Hitler with the, the old Blitzkrieg war kind of idea. And that's what makes this song not a clear story, but something fascinating to a teenage mind especially one who's just learnt three power chords like I had when I first started listening to Ramones and realised, wow, I can play this. And not only can I play this along with my stereo, I can play it with my three or four friends and actually you know, do a talent show with this. Which was annoying, really, because I did do this and I was the one who had to sing it. And thereafter, for about a month or so, I had people in the corridor go past me and go, hey, oh, let's go, like that, basically behind my back. Well, not even behind my back, to my face. Um... So that was annoying and not quite the sort of rock and roll cool. High school that I was hard for you, wasn't it? Pardon? High school was hard for you. No, it was hard rocking, <laughs> like rock and roll high school. But I'd like, I like the idea of Blitzkrieg Bop being the the first track because uh, I don't know if you know much about the Blitzkrieg maneuver in warfare. Yeah, I've just been talking about that. Yeah, I know you've been talking about it, but what it actually is, like, you yeah. know, in terms of breaking the front line. Yeah, lightning fast. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of what they're doing. Sonically. Sonically, to... I imagine anything... You, you know, you wouldn't really have heard anything like this before. A lot no, of people hadn't. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of... They're breaking that barrier down mm. of what you expect to hear when you put a, a record on or something. And it is it is the same effect that they would have had when they were playing live. If you heard this in a bar in New York in, in the mid-'70s, you would have turned around and gone, what is this? Whether you like it or not, mm. it, would have, it would have got your attention. Yeah. And this was this would be one that if you had heard it, you'd probably have heard it at, C, at CGBGs, which I find very difficult to say, um, in New York, where they would be constantly playing gigs that were incredibly intense, and you had a lot of famous names who ended up going to those, like like Debbie Harry, for example, and they became legends because of the I'd way. I'd love to do Blondie. I mean, <laughs> I'd love to review some Blondie records uh, in, in, in the future. Yeah, well, I think that would be that would be quite a good idea. Um, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is this is arguably the Ramones' most iconic song, and it's it's kind of annoying because how do you sum up this song? How do you how do you talk about it except for just how you feel when you heard it? And it, yeah, it's it's on every single T-shirt that the Ramones have got with the crest on. It's something that when it's, I it's impressive. It's, yeah, yeah, it is impressive, and it and it has that legacy of a chant as well, which was so good. 
to the point where when I was in my amateur band, I'm not going to talk about my crappy rock and roll past very often, but to the, it's so catchy that when we did a, a gig in St. Helens somewhere, before we got on stage, someone, I think one of our friends had started a chant of Hey Ho, Let's Go before we got on the stage because they knew we were going to play Blitzkrieg Bop. Other people were there. They had no idea who we were. Of course they didn't. They joined in. And that made going on and playing Blitzkrieg Bop one of the best moments of my very, very short and not very good punk career. Well, you know the beginning of uh, um, The Miracle of Joy Ramon? Yeah. When they open up uh, Innocence. It's the same idea, isn't it? With it. You know, like if you if you take the O section, which I'm not going to sing, mm. uh, you've got to pay to hear me sing. <laughs> uh, to stop you singing. So if, if you take that, you could actually very easily change the O's that Bono puts in there to, to Hey Ho, Let's Go. <laughs> it you would be elongating yeah. the Hey Ho, Let's Go That'd a bit. That would be so odd. But you can... It would fit. Yeah. And it's the, it's the same idea, isn't it? That yeah. you come out and that's what I mean about it, it being the same principle i think anyone who's thinking oh well this doesn't sound like the ramones no it doesn't but it's got the spirit of them in there yeah it's about unifying an audience before you come on stage and saying Let, let's get let's get into this let's play some music you know yeah and I, 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 I again i think i've said this before but i remember when i saw that live and just goosebumps yeah. absolute goosebumps uh when when they played that in london in october 2015 mm. Well, it's a long time ago that now, isn't it? Yeah. Speaking of long time, uh, we've now gone over the length of the entire album and we've not even gotten to the... Uh, okay, let's first... speed it up, let's speed it up. Well, let's, let's Ramonesize this with track two, Beat on the Brat. Um, this was just written by uh, Joey. Although um, we shouldn't forget Lee and Freeman and other people who are on this album, but essentially the Ramones tried to split up their credits relatively equally. Um, we do know who wrote different things, but um, this song is... Again, one that I think you can really misinterpret as a really weird song and one that maybe, yes, parents would like to keep away from their children because it's about child abuse, essentially. It's about beating up a child with a baseball bat. So um, apparently Joey was on a playground or near a playground and the woman was sitting around with a kid screaming and Joey recalled this scene and basically said uh, the horrible kid was just running around rampant with no discipline whatsoever the kind of kid you just want to kill you know beat on the brat with a baseball bat just came out I just wanted to kill him so <laughs> I think what Joey's doing there is he's taking an exaggerated feeling and I mean, they are I mean you can't stand by that in 2019. No, I'm not saying... You, you, but, can't, you, can't, you can't say that. But he knew even at that time that that would be mad. Joey Ramone never hit a child with a baseball bat. It's, Let's hope he didn't. It's this cartoon version. And this is where you've got to... I think you've got to sort of suspend your Yeah, they are. A, I mean, you can see... From the way they dress, you can see yeah. they are, they're, they're a cartoon of a band. And if you look at... If you put in Ramone's cartoon, they fit so well. They look like comic book figures. Yeah. They translated so well to that. Even on Road to Ruin, very, very early on, they had not a picture of themselves like the other albums but cartoon versions of themselves they remind me of the vultures from the jungle book yeah i can see that but they're meant I, to be the beatles I, I think they are meant to be the beatles in a way yeah or at least one of them is supposed to be john lennon <laughs> but, why are we back on the beatles again uh, but there's also like a really fat vulture i don't know that's i'm not fat shaming but there was no fat member of the beatles well, certainly not in their early career. Oh, no, or later, actually. Yeah. Mm. Any, well, no. Um, anyway, so Beat on the Brat. This is another U2 connection because uh, U2 covered this song on the We're a Happy Family album. Uh, do, have you heard that version? Uh, I heard that version well before I heard any other Ramones track. Yeah. Uh, so it's... Um, it's 
it's the wrong way round to get, to listen to that because I know Manson had a, a had covered something on that. Uh, the KKK took my baby away. Yeah, yeah uh, and there was a couple of others that L- lots of others. We'll talk about. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about the one Metallica covered later on because they recovered something on this. As so, well. like, I heard that album well before I heard a, a, a Ramones album. So, mini review. What do you think of um, U2's cover of it? Because I re-listened to it this week and uh... I, I thought I remembered not liking it. It's not as good as the Ramones, but it's it's all right. And they did some. They definitely U2 eyes it by putting loads of echo on it and. Uh, yeah, and I, I seem to remember. I've not listened to it in years, but I seem to remember there's like a lot of, oh yeah, you know, from yeah. Bono when he does that it's, embarrassing dad thing. Yeah, and... there's a lot of that era Bono stuff on it. <laughs> yeah, um, it was okay, and I, I think I liked it at the time, but I, I can probably count on one hand how many times I've listened to that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, what? So I think I, I like this song in its essence. I really like it. However, I will say, on record, particularly in the chorus it loses quite a lot of what makes it good live. If you listen to this on any live version, particularly the early versions, it's really good and really raw. And there's actually the only poor drum drum choice on this whole album. For some reason, Tommy really slows it down on the chorus and just hits, he just plinky plonkly hits the bell, which is a raised top bit of the ride cymbal. Are you a drum tech? No, I'm not a drum tech. (laughs) But so when he says, so when he's singing, what can you do? Tommy then starts going plink. Yeah, he's got plink, the plinkity plonk. Plink, yeah. yeah, and it's just that's rubbish. It should be the sh- he should be thrashing out the drums like he is in the rest of it, and it, it, it's sort of half time. Ah, he needs song. a bong in there or something, doesn't he? Well, I'm not advocating drug use. <laughs> or a boing then. <laughs> plinkity plopping in a boing. Or a beat. Uh, I thought it's strange. Strangely, I mean, I've, my notes kind of contradict each other because I I've noted that there's a a great driving guitar riff in there. Yeah. But that it's also kind of laid back in parts. Yeah, that the chorus is very laid back. The what can you do bit. And then it's like it's head banging, but not too fast and not too heavy. And yeah. and but but it also makes you move. So I I'm kind of all over the place for this, which mainly probably I think I like it, but I think it just shows you that I'm I'm not fully at ease with this track and like I don't know what effect mm. it has and I don't really know what my full opinion of it is because it's it is kind of new to me um but I, again I can feel the restraint and it, they're, they're still keeping it tight and I do think I do expect them at this point to let loose mm. and just go effing crazy <laughs> well they do have a song on one of the later albums called go mental uh, which is not as good as this one, actually. Um, but yeah, and they have they have a lot of songs about uh, mental health, to be honest. Which um, would be lovely to cover at some point, but I don't think we're going to ha- be able to do a whole Ramones podcast. Although I would do that with someone else who knew a lot about the Ramones. Um, yeah, be on the brass. Oh, you're song. sacking me? No, I'm just saying that we wouldn't be able to do that. I think you would get tired and bored after quite uh, quite a short amount of time. You can't sack me. It's my podcast. Mm. Co-podcast. <laughs> Just like I would, you wouldn't want me to actually be part of an Iron Maiden podcast from the start. You want someone more knowledgeable. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the Iron Maiden show. Yeah, the singular. Right. So, um, so Judy is a punk, apparently, mm. and this is an absolute blaze of a song. Um, again, it's slower than they play it live at the time, um, but it's one minute thirty of absolute fury. I, I put this on and I started laughing <laughs> um, because, like. This is exactly where my expectations. No, like. where my Joey Ramone's impression, uh, Joey Ramone impression comes from. Yeah. 
Uh, you and Vinny used to do this quite a lot. We basically just go, no, you don't, you do that. Do we really? Yeah, and Mark. Me? Yes, you, Tyler. Why do I remember that? Because I used to constantly try and indoctrinate everyone with the Ramones and everyone was very resistant to it. You messed up the melody. At the yeah, end. of course I did. But like, there is no, he misses words out all the time. <laughs> and he can't finish lines. Like, I, was, I, I literally yeah. was looking... This this is where I felt like I was turning into an old man because I remember like getting into bands when I was a kid and my mum and dad would be like oh can't, you can't even tell what he's singing and I yeah. and I always could but the Ramones is one of the first times I've ever thought I have no idea what is being sang on this record so literally for every song I had to get the lyrics up yeah, and 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 I was disputing them there's a one there's one um, I think it's a later track. Uh, I'll cover that when we get to it. Yeah, no, it is this. It is this one. It's um the line. Perhaps uh perhaps they'll die. Oh yeah. Uh the perhaps they'll die. Oh yeah. I can only hear it as matador. Oh yeah. Matador. Oh yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And it's which is crazy because it's nothing like it. So they're at fault because they're not singing clearly enough. No, 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 no. That no. Perhaps they'll die. In no way sounds like Matador. Well, it does when he sings it, in a way. But that doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't I don't, matter. I don't understand how that works. You don't need clear diction. This is again where I think. You don't, no, you don't need clear diction, but it has to sound somewhat like what you're trying to sing. Well, did you get the um, did you get the great uh, verse lyrics? Because this is something that used to annoy Vinny. Oh yeah, um, the verse lyrics are incredible, and this is where if you're not on board with cartoons and that kind of wacky, so you're on about the second verse, yeah. same as the first, third yeah. verse, different from the first. Yeah, it's so good. I, 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 I get, I completely get what they're doing. They are deconstructing what you expect a song to be. Yeah, uh, and previously I, I've described things like this as production notes. I, I'm not going to say it's production <laughs> notes in this because mm. I get it. They're deconstructing the idea of a song. They're mm. deconstructing everything you've ever heard from rock and roll in the past mm. 20 years. Um, so I, I get it, but I do understand why people would take the piss out of it because it, it's it's funny and they mm. they it's it's hard to write jokes into songs yeah. because you hear it once and then you might you, and you find it funny and then you hear it again and well it, less so. Yeah. But this is what nearly is it over 50 years ago? No. 76, so yeah, quick maths will help you out. 43 years ago. It's it's, it's a while ago, let's say that. 43 years. Yeah, yeah, fine. I, I, yeah. I don't like doing quick mental maths. I get stressed out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, uh, I get it, and it is funny, but uh, the... Other than that, the lyrics just really. There's a loose, there's a loose story in here as well. Yeah. I mean, considering it's one minute thirty, it's amazing. There's actually a story here. So Jackie's a punk, Judy is a runt, and one day they went down to the watch the ice capades, right? So the ice capades is this sort of on ice entertainment thing. Yeah. And so they go out of of um, wherever they are and go into a bad neighborhood, apparently, and maybe they'll die, and that's it. I mean, that's basically the the, the whole thing is. I mean, well, in the third verse, they uh, they go to San Francisco and join the SLA, yeah. Which I had a brief look of what the SLA was and got bored basically. Yeah, I don't think you need to know all the ins and outs of everything that's on here. Like th- this, to me, was a song that I used to be really, really passionately into before I knew what the hell the Ice Capades were. I had no idea. I come from Wigan, so the but I knew what Ice Capades were because of friends. Uh, yeah, well, um, but the thing is, that 
all the decisions in this song, the fact of how fast it is, the fact that it's just an, it, it just starts straight away. There's no build up. The claps in the verse are so laid back and cool. You know, when when it's when they are doing the um, second verse, uh, same as the first, it's so cool. <laughs> Sings a lot better than that. I I just absolutely love this. And the other thing is the the vocals in the bridge are really really well recorded. You know the bit where it's kind of there's like a chant in the background. Yeah, that's it's just really well recorded. But considering no, it is it is well recorded. I mm. I agree I agree with that. Um, I don't think the vote and maybe the vocals are recorded well, but they're not sang very well. They're not sang clearly enough. They're not sang clearly. I agree with that. But, but anyway, really well, let's yeah. not you know beat the brat to death. Uh, one, uh, this is one of the Ramones' first songs. Uh, they uh, in in 1975 they developed a reputation for playing rapid fire sets in uh, NYC, mm-hmm. um, and often often blasting through about 12 songs in 25 minutes, which is mental. Mm. It really is. Think crazy. of how intense those gigs would be because it's a lot faster than on this record. Yeah. So apparently, when they recorded this uh, this for the album. Yeah. Uh, they honed down the song because this is this is a song that had been, it had never really had a, a strict structure or strict yeah. lyrics. So this is one that they really worked on to get down to you know bare bones. This yeah. is what this song is, uh, and it was solely for this album. But they'd played a lot of different versions of this up yeah. until this point. Um, so it's it's weird that this is a song that's been as again one of the earliest songs. It's been around for a while, mm-hmm. and this is what they consider the final draft. <laughs> it's it's a rough diamond, um, and also they return to uh, to uh, Jackie and Judy with the song "The Return of Jackie and Judy" on the album um, "End of the Century." That is not a very good song. It's basically like a bad version of this um, with higher production values. So yeah, it's weird. I don't rate that song very much at all. Um, so Tyler, I want to be your boyfriend. All right. <laughs> um, this would be, I think, and still is, a very, very unexpected song for a lot of people. I think it's very, very odd to hear. So, was this a surprise to you? This song. Um. After ja- after Judy is a punk, and then we get this with the jangly guitars, twelve string guitars, slow kind of pace comparatively no i like the tone i do like the tone um and it's it's got it's you know it's i always think on that first side of a record you've got to really show different styles different sounds yeah because you don't want to get to track four and think or track five you basically don't want to get to the end of side one and think well i've heard everything this band are going to do now it's like, um, say, one on Acton Baby or if God will send his angels on pop. You want early on to show a gear change. Yeah. I mean, uh, so and the reason I, th- I feel like this is because um, I have had many, many copies of Bat Out of Hell by Meatloaf, <laughs> right? Why? And, and for, one? I, for a, I probably for, for a long time, I probably didn't listen to the second side of that album because I felt like oh, all the hits are on you know the first side mm. and i don't think that i don't i don't feel the need to to go on i didn't recognize any on the track list but then when i did i, I found something but you need that you need that pull to actually because it's an effort to you know take the disc off flip it over you know and and put it on it's actually I say it's a real effort to put any uh meatloaf on i i like meatloaf so and you know 
he may have his critics, but I think <laughs> commercially he's been very, very successful. But he's got nothing to do with you two, so let's let's uh, move on. Um, someone tweet in now with some obscure meatloaf connection. Well, perhaps. But I, I do think that they're showing us different sides, different sounds. This this band isn't a one trick pony. Yeah, and it's that's quite uh, an intelligent way of putting a first album together. This feels like something that the record execs were probably thinking good there's some a bit of variety on here yeah. because if there's one criticism you can make which is it's not really a criticism it's just a fact the ramones early sound was very consistent very tight very much sort of three chords wham bam that's it you know so this is the closest they get to variety i think on this album well this is the track where i started to see oh to, to think oh right i can see connections here to music that's come before because it, it does play yes. like a it's very sort of like 60s 50s kind of yeah I, i've put here like you know a 50s rock and roll traditional mm. uh it's just played a bit faster you yeah. know and and you really get that you get that sense of like oh god right so the Ramones the, basically what they're doing is they they've taken 50s rock and roll mm. and they've they've just sped it up a bit yeah or just added an extra guitar or two on yeah. it yeah and that's not a criticism that's that's they've they've created their own sound mm. they've taken something they go wait if we just if we just make this a little bit faster we play this a little bit faster mm. it sounds completely different and it sounds new what and then what is old is new again yeah and that's basically what is always going on in music yeah you know one of the best ways to find a, a new sound is to go back into the okay what was working then and how can i adjust that to work for me mm. so like i mind doesn't it old criminal chris uh well i'm sorry johnny but you've lost hands down you have lost uh have i officially lost the twitter you've you've officially lost the uh, the twitter poll Uh, i won with 86 percent of the vote with magpie martin so magpie and this is the first time i've won a twitter i was gonna say i've won other polls yeah you you've won all the other twitter polls in the past so that finally i've won one thank you Uh, i would like to thank uh everybody that voted everyone on chris martin's team who uh, bribed people (laughs) and and voted multiple times um so yeah the the new nickname for chris martin is uh, magpie martin going forward um yeah so th- this is this is something that you do get a sign as you said of of that that command of melody that i think the ramones don't get recognized for enough and as you get into their career you find out the that was mainly joey con- contributing to that he had a real command of melody and really really enjoyed those simpler kind of sounds that went just beyond okay we're going to play this really really fast and thrashy sort of punk rock music so i mean and you can see this in in the songs that they chose to cover later on in years most famously baby i love you which was the most successful single wasn't actually their song it was by the ronettes um but he his voice fits that type of sound absolutely perfectly to me he's he's the the finest kind of crooner that ever was um for that kind of thing i've got i just got a quote here from uh tommy ramone uh, and by the way, this is a, this is the second single uh, which was released in September of '76. Mm. Um, choice seems a long time to wait for a second single. Uh, but Tom, uh, Tommy says, I, uh, "I wrote I want to be your boyfriend because we had all these other songs with I don't wanna, I don't wanna walk around with you, I don't wanna go down to the basement, uh, uh, and uh, the only other positive sounding song was." Now I want to sniff some glue. So he wanted, <laughs> he wanted something with I wanna, and not yep. with not something with I don't wanna. So that's why he he said decided to write I want to be a boyfriend. It sounds like he had the title before he had the song. 
Yeah. Which is not advisable to any uh, young songwriters out there. I, well, I don't know, actually. I think the Ramones did work like that quite a lot. They've got a lot of I Wanna songs. Um, not all positive. Uh, I Wanna Be Sedated. Um, but I Wanna Live is amazing. And I, I Just Wanna Have Something to Do Tonight is amazing as well. So... I, I like any of the Warner songs. I think they're all cool. The don'ts and the do's. Well, the end of that of that um, of that quote was uh, the clues in the name. It's a love song, mm. and it is a love song. It's a bare bones love song. It's very subtle. He's not hiding behind metaphor or simile. though. <laughs> he uh, it's it's straightforward. Hey, little girl, I want to be a boyfriend. Sweet little girl, I want to be a boyfriend. It's you yeah. know wh- why mess around with poetry? <laughs> let's let's just mm. sing this song chainsaw this cuts in the previous song if there had been a kind of romantic atmosphere created with that last song or maybe a bit of a bubblegum or 60s atmosphere this is sliced through quite literally by this this sound of a, of a saw um although fun fact it's a circular saw sound not a chainsaw sound so you don't hear any kind of revving up you just hear this very sharp um well, you know sharp. i did i did hear that and didn't know it didn't realize like yeah. Uh, that it wasn't a. Chainsaw's got more of a saw, yeah. kind of a guttural. I feel, kind of... I feel I feel a bit thick now for not not noticing that. Um... I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, it does annoy me though that circular saw. I think, yes, it's effective because it is so abrasive on your ears. You know, it's it's this really high pitched whine, and it's it's like, hey, we're doing something different now. This is a horror. Yeah, song. like I was thinking about that because I was thinking, okay, we've just had I want to be your boyfriend, which you know has links to fifties or sixties rock and roll, mm. and then that sound coming in straight after is like, oh, are they chopping up tradition? Yeah, I had, I had to think, you know, are they actually have they compiled this set list so it sounds like that, or is I this just me over analyzing it? I think I think they definitely have said right. How can we sort of shock them a little bit after that fourth track, it, just in case people thought. Have the Ramones quote unquote turned soft? Here's this ode to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or as uh, Joey says it, massacre to make it sound. Oh, don't even get me started on that. I absolutely oh, love that God. decision. Honestly, really. But the thing, it's an obvious, it's a cartoon <sighs> choice, isn't it? The Ramones are a cartoon band to some extent. I don't know. I, I, I have me questioning if he actually he'd only ever seen the word written down. <laughs> like, because I've done that. You this know. is, the, I think, this actually is genuinely the great debate about the Ramones. I think it is. Were they actually thick, or were they geniuses who like to portray, portray themselves as these like New York guys who don't know nothing, that kind I, of thing? I I hope he if he's looking down on us now, I hope he's laughing his ass off at me because you know because he meant to do it, and I hope he's not hiding behind his hands because he's in, in his sunglasses and his hair because he's embarrassed. Uh, because he literally didn't know how to say massacre. I hope that's the case. I hope that's the case. I think but, someone would have po- pointed out to them quite early on, but he would have said, "Yeah, but then it doesn't rhyme, you know, so it's going to have to be massacre." Yeah, they took my baby away from me. Uh, just go back to the track listing quickly. If that is intentional, I was going to ask you if it is intentional, and you think it is now, don't you? I think it is. Yeah. So if it is intentional, I also that, don't think it matters. But I'm on. really impressed with the album craft that yeah. that they have you know that they have already a, on a first album there is a good command of, of the of the album here i think there is a good command of ordering and things like that how old were they about 25 okay All right, maybe, yeah. maybe one or two of them were a little bit younger i don't know the exact dates but um i think joey was was mid-20s at this particular time right okay joey's my favorite ramon like by like a country mile um johnny ramon although an amazing pioneer of guitar playing um had quite a lot of views that i disagree with um but let's not go any further into that um actually on the you've on- really messed up one of my jokes by the way by already going on to massacre because i uh <laughs> i uh put is he deliberately piss pronouncing worms oh very good uh, well done, David so um <laughs> just just throwing that in there uh 
Right, well, let me talk about the more the more dry but more, I think, rewarding um, discussion. Do you know how jo- uh, how Johnny Ramone played guitar? With his hands? Yep. Did do it with his hands, but he, he did it in a way that... Um, he basically invented a style, or if not invented, significantly popularised a style of playing. So, if you're Johnny Ramone, you will never, despite how fast this is being played, and live even faster... Never, ever, ever do an upstroke. Every single thing that he plays is a downstroke. Think of how difficult that is. Yeah, I am. Yeah. When you're playing these songs and then speed them up a little bit. That's why, part of the reason why, not just because it looks cool and it does look cool, but part of the reason why his guitar is so low down, because you have to relax your hand so much and your wrist, otherwise it'll just cramp up after, you know, one or two songs that's why he's his stance and if you look at him playing live on stage no one like from a silhouette you know you can tell liam gallagher or bono from his silhouette yeah yeah you can tell johnny ramon from his silhouette um because of his stance i think you tweeted your you know you've got those bands they're kind of like top trumps oh yes yeah, yeah. uh so you tweeted that what you've got and the remote i'm always really impressed with the ramones one because mm. each one of them from just from the silhouette you can tell you you can tell who they are yeah so i get what you mean by that yeah he's he's um we've tweeted that before by the way so if you look at our media it'll be on the i could do it again um yeah i really like that picture um so he he that and combined with the fact that he played bar chords full bar chords rather than power chords a lot of people think they're just power chords um, including me when I was younger I used to, when I used to cover the Ramones I would just play with power chords he used full bar chords which required his hand to go over the entire neck of the guitar so he's got this really rigid guitar hold and it's just a very distinctive way of playing and a lot of people look look for oh do I get a Marshall amp or oh, do I get a Mossrite guitar or do I get this effect that effect the, the key thing to his playing and why his playing style is so distinctive is is that way of holding the guitar so yeah an incredible guitar style which really translates to something new on this album that people hadn't heard of before um yeah so yeah i I like this song chainsaw um it's very hard to play at this speed um on any instrument and i dislike the start of the song because the circular saw and i really don't like the end of the song because there's a weird effect on the voices because you've got joey saying oh yeah and then someone in the background going Oh, oh yeah, as well. Oh, oh no, <laughs> essentially that. But it's like they've turned up. They've turned up the helium in the room. So by the end of it, they're going oh yeah, oh no, like that, and it sounds horrible. It's like what? Why have you done that and ruined the end of the record? Anyway, last two yeah. seconds of that song is uh, is not very good. Now I want to sniff some glue. Well, can we get to the end of the review first, Tyler? Um, so. I think this might be the heaviest track on the album, or at least so far. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like every teenage band's first practice. <laughs> I do enjoy it, but I don't know why. And the lyrics, seeing as there's only four lines of lyrics, yeah. I might as well read them out. <coughs> now I want to sniff some glue. Now I want to have something to do. All the kids want to sniff some glue. All the kids want something to do. Yeah, it's like Wordsworth or Keats, isn't it? Uh, maybe not. No, I mean, we, I mean, we both have English degrees, and uh, I mean, what what can we make of that? Well, everything we've been taught about about poetry, what are we gonna say about that? Well, I'm gonna say verb choice very good. Sniff, it's very very emotive and gets you by the senses very very quickly. Um. I think this again in terms of album order this ties in really well with the last song because the first the first bit of chainsaw is um sitting around with nothing to do 
And this bit here goes back to that. It goes back to that idea of a teenager. Now, the Ramones weren't teenagers by this point. I don't know if they'd written this song while they were teenagers, but it speaks directly to that teenage angst of, I'm too poor to do anything, but I'm not young enough to just play with toys. I want to have an excitement. I want to have an experience, do something fun and interesting. So what am I going to do? I'm going to steal some glue and sniff it because at least that'll do something for me. Now, I'm not advocating that. It's a bad idea. Solvent abuse can kill instantly. But, um, I know. mean, as cryptic as the lyrics are, <laughs> uh, I, I did manage to, uh, you know... Put some pieces together. You know, I did, I did manage to find that, that needle in that haystack. Um, it, it just... It, it didn't really... I felt like we've heard this track before. I felt like that. Well, I mean, I used to play it quite a lot and there's a lot of... <clears throat> there's a lot of covers and, and parodies of this idea of this sort of song but I, I, just, I just love it it's so iconic and I like the fact that they actually do something different in song structure here, there are pauses there are um, those moments where the riff kicks in and to be honest, I know we've had chords that's a, a bit like riffs but this to me is the first proper riff on the album that it's actually something quite fast and it's still simple, but it's an interesting guitar riff. And then that second guitar gets mixed in later on and it sounds almost discordant. And it's kind of that that malaise of being young and just... There's a really fast bit, which I imagine is the glue sniffing bit. And then the... You know, where it's just life slowing down and being boring again. So I don't know. That, that... Yeah, I don't know what I think about it. I mean, it's 1 minute 34 seconds and... I don't know. I'm going to have to re-listen, and I'm going to, you know, have to find out what I really think about that because I, I don't know. I don't. I, I know I didn't hate it, but it didn't. I also didn't write that many notes. I didn't have time. But um, I, I don't. I don't know. The next one, the next track. Uh, I don't want to go down to the basement. Uh, evoked more mm-hmm. in me. Uh, well, this is more like horror stories back to the, back to the kind of chainsaw idea. So this is written by Dee Dee and uh, and Johnny, um, and uh, my first question is Johnny, tell me what's in the basement. <laughs> uh, well, which basement are we talking about? Because I think you can listen to this song in a number of ways. You can see it as that generic horror story or film basement, you know, which people are always dragged down into um, the kind of like the idea. Of... Was that a horror trope in the seventies? I think by this point you definitely had Psycho, and that's where um, the mother is located. The oh, right, spoiler alert if you've not seen Psycho, where um, the dead mother is is located, and I think there were. I mean, Texas Chainsaw. That, I'm not a film guy. I don't. I don't know about film I at think all. By this point already, the basement had become that horror trope, and you've also got to remember, the basement is essentially just a cavernous bit underneath your house where you put stuff that you don't want to see in the main bit of the house it's a crypt isn't it and every gothic story has that element of the buried and the, the tomb and the cavern that kind of thing so i don't want to go down to the basement it's it's a bit like that modern version of it well, i used to have a basement it was the very first review to studio and <laughs> i missed that place <laughs> really that's where we buried all the disgusting <laughs> things that shouldn't have emerged what like the first season of review two <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, this is one of those songs, though, where, where I do get what you mean about... Right, I simultaneously, I love the way that Joey sings this song. Like, the way that he sings Hey Romeo is so cool. and But he also doesn't finish off words properly. So when he says, when he says um, it's all dark there, it sounds like... 
He's he's sort of saying he says I don't want to go down to the base. He doesn't actually do the full the full. It's not that ridiculous, um, but yeah, um, Blondie actually said, um, well, sorry, sorry, I keep getting Blondie and Debbie Harry mixed up. She said this was about the bathroom at CGB uh, GBs. I can't say that right today. So she remarked, I think the song from the Ramones is partially about that basement. I don't want to go down to the basement. As kids, we never wanted to go down to the basement because it was dark and scary. And that toilet was also very scary. So I think there must have been a horrible, dank uh, toilet at CBGB's. CBGB's. I can't say it. Imagine heebie-jeebies, but with a C. CBGB's. CBGB's. There we go. Well, there you go. It's like like the King's Speech in here today, isn't it? This is the longest song, and it has the time to develop a little bit more. Not that I want the Ramones to develop, but it's got a bass line that is... Awesome, yeah. It's so, so good. It's almost... um, Yeah, it's it's almost... It almost kind of sounds to me a bit Sabbathy or Queens of the Stone Age-y in the fact that it's got a really pulsating rhythm. I know you won't like that particularly, you're not a massive Queens fan. I loved the bass line. Uh, And and I really noticed the the, the stereo effect as well. Probably the best, the stereo sounds. Mm. Everything just, the levels seem to be right for this song. Yeah, and because you're waiting for those, because all of the hits in the Ramones are so telegraphed, you know that you know those things are going to hit so everything has a lot of impact it's not subtle but it's really good yeah could have been a longer song if they were a different type of band i imagine yeah although i think it's it never outstays its welcome just like no song on this album really does uh oh apart from apart from one of them well that that's the last track of side one yeah and side one's been good i'd say side one's been been hit after hit yeah i mean there's only really i want to sniff some glue that that really made me Mm. You know, um, just I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I'm gonna have to go back and, and re re listen well, to that. While I again do not want to advocate glue sniffing, um, I think the best way to enjoy that song is to join in with it. And what I mean by that is learn it and play it. Cause it's very very simple. But I think when you play that song, either on drums or guitar or bass or whatever, or just sing along with it, I think that's when it really gets good. Um, yeah. So side B, Tyler. What have we got first? Loudmouth. Yes. Um, I could have done a little funny bit there, but I decided not to. I don't think people like the, those little funny bits. <laughs> no, no, certainly no one likes them as much as we do. <laughs> yeah, um, this is my least favourite song. I'm just going to come out and say it now for several reasons. Um, so I have four reasons, Tyler. One, it sounds like a backwards Blitzkrieg bop, as in it sounds. So are you saying you like it or you don't? Hate it. You hate it. Yeah, worst song on the album. Um, it sounds like a backwards Blitzkrieg box. I so. said it sounds very similar to Blitzkrieg box. Yeah, it's like that, but with the chords yeah. in reverse. It might actually be that, um, but the rhythm of it, it. But it doesn't. The Blitzkrieg bop chords sound perfect in that order. You can't get a better order for that pace. This sounds bad. Um, go on. Uh, so I, I'm laughing at my notes here, and uh, I'm I just. Um, basically what I've said is uh, the vocals are much more what I would class as inverted commas punk mm. uh, and zero clue what the inverted comma, commas lyrics are <laughs> so I, I don't. I really don't know what this means well I'll get to the lyrics in a sec so it's the first song, second reason it's the first song off side B and it's not very good and I think you should always lead with the strong song so I think it'd be a lot better to start with Havana Affair Um Three, it runs out of steam, so after a while they just sort of, they run out of ideas with it and it just seems to kind of just become this weird rhythmic thing which isn't very good. This is a problem for me, Yeah. because uh, you know, I've just put on side two, 
Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I didn't. I, I listened yeah. on Spotify. But if... At the time. Yeah, if I, you know, if, if when I jumped in the Review 2 time machine and I went back to 1976 and I put the record on in my New York apartment, you know, on a hot, 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 uh, sunny day, um, this is the first track of Side 2. Mm-hmm. You're playing really fast, right? You, It's a 29-minute album, and this shows signs of fatigue yeah it really in, does in the band and it's ha- when when something is that fast and that intense over such a short period of time mm. with not a lot of breaks real you know breaks yeah then how am i if i feel like the band's fatigued how am i yeah supposed to feel energized or rejuvenated and ready to take take on side two well, and it's there's a lot of tracks yeah this is the problem i get with a lot of thrash metal and very very fast metal you think that oh well they're playing fast and they're playing heavy ergo it must be interesting but it isn't no you know you can't take that sort of thing for granted at all and this is a song which if you got rid of it off the album sorry ramones fans if you if you listen to this but this um, is one that i'd never heard literally i'd never heard anybody talk about yeah and and a lot of these songs a lot of these songs you will have heard people like you know i wouldn't have have you heard this or you've heard it on on the radio or you've heard it played in the club or something like that i had never heard i didn't know the the ramones had a song called loudmouth i think it was an early favorite that that got its way onto this album um and my fourth grand reason for not liking it is i think it's actually just a little bit hateful now the the lyrics are um you're a loudmouth baby um i'm you better shut it up i'm gonna beat you up loudmouth baby that that's the gist of it there's only very few lines now the thing is i've said before i would imagine new york in the 70s was a real tough place you know well, particularly for women. Um, or if, people from Boston, apparently. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> all your complaints should be directed to Tyler there. Um, so the thing is, I've said before, the Ramones are a cartoon band to, to a large extent. And I really do believe that. I don't think that they were a, a hateful group of people, to be honest. So a song like Beat on the Brat, yeah, if you're a moron, you think, oh, those vicious Ramones are going to attack my children and beat them up with baseball bats. No, they wouldn't have done that at all. Stupid, right? Oh, they're not going to be actually... Dee Dee might. <laughs> no, Dee Dee wouldn't. Johnny might, if uh, if he didn't agree with his political opinions. Is it just Marky that's alive now? I think... Yeah, yeah, Marky's, Marky's still alive. Marky's not on this album. Uh, no, he was. He would arrive on the fourth album. Yeah, the fourth album. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we really don't have time to get into the complexities <laughs> of who was in and who was out of the Ramones. Um, Quite the extended family they've got. Yeah, um... Yeah, a lot of siblings. Um, but this song is... I, I don't really see any wit to it or any distance. It just seems like it's a horrible song written about getting annoyed at women. And if you open your mouth, I'll give you a slap, love. Seems to be the kind of vibe I get from it. And I just don't like it. I really wish it wasn't on the album. I don't think that they were horrible, abusive people. But this song doesn't have any dimensions to it or complicatedness to it. It's complexity rather um, yeah i saw a bukowski interview recently mm-hmm. uh and there's a bit where he gets annoyed at his uh girlfriend and kicks her off a couch mm-hmm. and this is like a you know a, i don't know if it was a televised interview but it was like you know it was recorded it was a recorded yeah visual interview and it's it's like that's I can't really. Yeah, <laughs> I, can't, but, I can't defend that at all. No, no and, you, and you shouldn't defend your heroes just because you, they're your heroes and no, everything. But no. um, yeah, so this is an uncomfortable song, and I think it's just plain nasty. So uh, should we move on to Havana Affair? 
Uh, yes, go ahead. This is where I wanted side two to begin. And this is one that's a very cryptic song. It's very weird to actually figure out what the hell is going on. Um, now, to me, it fits in with a lot of different Ramones songs. Um, like, for example, uh, This Ain't Havana, which is a song they did later on, which has just got this interesting connection to communism. Uh, the Ramones, obviously, they were writing at a time when Vietnam was still massively in the in the cultural and collective mindset and memory. So they were interested in these ideas of America's approach to anti-communism and things like that. So from what I can tell from this song, it's about someone who is from Havana and he's been trained essentially to fight communism in Cuba but he essentially ends up playing for both sides so that's why he's saying um pt boat on the way to havana i used to make a living man picking a banana um but now he's a, now he's working for the cia hooray for the usa but then later on he says hooray for havana so i think the confidence of this song and the all, overall vibe to it and i might be getting this completely wrong is this idea of someone who is trying to outfox the communists and the cia he's playing for both sides and he's saying, you know, hooray for the USA and hooray for Cuba because they're both paying him. Well, you must have looked those lyrics up. Well, I've already, I've always known the lyrics quite well. Okay. Because this is a, an album that I wore out when I was younger. But it was at this point that I stopped caring what the lyrics were. And you don't just, have, yeah, you don't have to care. And, and much like you know when we listen to Mew, and you don't really know what Jonas is singing mm. a lot of the time. Yes. Um, That's true of a lot of bands as well. And yeah, it is. But with Mew, it's kind of like okay. This voice is being used as an instrument, uh, yes. and, and a guitar isn't singing lyrics. So I'm just going to take it like you know that this this voice isn't singing lyrics. That's pretty much where I was at this point with Havana Refer. Mm. Um, I just thought you know if you can't beat them, join them. And I, I had no idea what, what lyrics were. Mm. And if you just see it, see it as a sonic, uh, mm. a sonic song uh, with the voice just being another instrument, really enjoyed it. Um, mm. Really. Really nice driving, relentless sonic attack. I've described it as, um, and I've put the Ramones will punk you into submission, <laughs> and and that's what I, I enjoyed it. But I had no idea what was being sung at all. Well, no, and I don't think you need to at all. The there's bits of it because the, the Ramones formula is so simple. It's just those four basic elements. When something slightly different comes in, you're like, oh, that's interesting. So in this song, there is a second guitar which takes over and it goes like down, 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 and it's just a, it's another guitar. It's something. Was your great granddad a guitar? <laughs> um, but even though it's just another guitar overlaying what's already being done because it's got a slightly different tone, it's really exciting. And the other thing is things like the um, there's a big tom strike in the chorus. Like it goes, baby, 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 loco. Like if you go back and listen to it, small things like that make it a really interesting listen. Tommy's Whereas, the drummer, isn't it? Yeah, that's not because of the Tom Toms. Uh, no, his his name was his name was I can't say his actual name. I, I I know what it looks like. Um, I think he was Bulgarian or something like that. In you know, in his kind of in his family ethnicity. Um, but no, he he was called Thomas something. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so it's um it's a fantastic song and one that I, I really like. But it, it, if anyone has only really listened to Havana Refer, you should definitely listen to uh, This Ain't Havana because that's a really great song as well that is also about Havana. Uh, what album's that on? That's on End of the Century. And that's the 80s output, isn't it? Um, That is when... Well, it's from an album called uh, End of the Century, so it's from the, the start of the 80s. And right. uh, they did that with Phil Spector and that's the one which... Some would argue. I just realised is that the fourth or the fifth album? That might be the fifth album. If I said fourth before them, I'm an idiot. Um, 
that's when they changed their production style massively and a Something lot of people we can all agree on that. <laughs> a lot of people jump ship <laughs> with that one anyway yeah so um so check it out so tyler are you ready for listen to my heart yeah i've got my stethoscope somewhere here ho ho so i've not got very much to say about this song neither have i i've got one one note what's yours my one note is there's a really really nice bit of guitar midway through uh that's, that's highlighted in the mix you won't miss it mm-hmm. um but it just re- really nice i think i really like this song uh but again it didn't grab you it, no it, it grabbed me but i didn't there was nothing i could really say about it it's just good yeah i'd say this is similarly it's a very bubblegummy very simple sing-along song for any heartbroken person i imagine if you saw this at an early ramones gig and you've been dumped recently and you were tired of trying and a lot of the kind of stuff and and you and you think right in 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 future i'm going to do things differently then it'd be a fantastic song it's just there's not very much to dig your teeth into and become i don't know it's not that interesting of a song i think the most striking thing for me is the the slide at the very start of it where they go you know that's it yeah i think i would have preferred them to flesh out some of the other songs you know just to, you know yeah. make them a little a, a bit longer rather than forcing you know lesser songs on the album and i don't think it, i don't think listen to my heart is that bad it's mm. just it's not essential is it no there's other, there's other things that if you just made the songs a little bit longer you yeah. know if you just made them 3 minutes you know cap them all at 3 minutes well the, oh no cuz then the, what you to get that three minutes, you'd end up putting in things like solos, which the Ramones at the start of the career, at least, just did not want. Well, in maybe there. this is why I don't like punk. Then, <laughs> um, maybe, maybe that's the the, the the heart of it. I would prefer mm. to prefer them to indulge in songs a little bit longer, and you know, get a little bit more out of them. But I think that idea of indulgence was was so anathema to the Ramones, at least in their early career. They did they did flesh things out. Eventually, they ended up using synthesizers and. You know, lots of backing vocals and loads of great things, which create some amazing songs. I mean, listen to a song like Howling at the Moon or uh, Something to Believe in. Very, very poppy and 80s in inverted commas, but really good. Um, but yeah, this is not essential on the album for me, this one. Um, okay, uh, 53rd and 3rd yeah, by Dee Dee. The, the title for this, now I have thought about you know, it, street name. You know, if you give me directions to a, a taxi driver or something in New York, mm-hmm. I thought you said you. In this case, you would say fifty-three and third. No, Not fifty-third and third. Fifty-third and third. That means I went around New York for ten days last year, making a complete ass of myself. Oh, you idiot! Did you yeah. also say stand in line because you should have said stand online? Well, what's that about? American, sorry, not Americans. New Yorkers never ever say. So if you're waiting in line for a slice, as we would say, oh, in a queue. Yeah, in a queue. Yeah. So I mean, this is why the British are talking about it. Um, it's online, not in line. Well, I'm sorry, but I am British, and the the two good things that our nation, the two things our nation has mm. to hold to its name. I think God save the Queen being played in the. We used here. to have an empire. Now we're good at moaning and queuing. That's it. That's mm-hmm. all we're good at these days. So you think we deserve to be respected with the idea of standing in line rather than online? No. Tell, tell them to join a queue. Mm. It's a queue. And it's not online unless you're actually on a physical line. That's stupid. Well, again, New Yorkers direct this to and what, What's this? In, in, in New York, you can only queue where there is a, a predetermined line. Stand, plus, standing online makes it sound like you're standing on the internet. 
But perhaps so. I mean, direct, direct your complaints to New York City, not me. You know what, New York? You've got this wrong. I love you, but you've got this wrong. Mm. Well, um, 53rd and 3rd, anyway, do you, do you want me to tell you the sort of the, the history behind this song? Because there is a, a, quite a lot to get into with this song. Yeah, um, I, I think I've got the same notes. Uh, but my understanding that this is a, 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 this is a, this has a dark backstory to this song. Yes, to yeah. a... I mean, Dee Dee Ramone had um, struggles with heroin throughout his life. Um, eventually died of a heroin overdose, very sad. Um, but when he was younger, um, there is, it's not been completely confirmed, but it's highly likely that to pay for his heroin addict, he went to an area called The Loop and uh, basically worked as a male prostitute in order to get money to pay f- to fund his habit. That was on 53rd and 3rd, or at least he's referencing a very common gay pickup area called The Loop, where if you wanted to um, you know, turn a trick, so as it were, uh, so as it was phrased, that was where you would go. Um, so that's the that's the kind of the background to this. So it is heavily autobiographical, and I think that has been confirmed by a few of the other Ramones in, in previous interviews. Um, so we have this really interesting song here about this bruised ego of someone who doesn't want to be a male prostitute, but then gets angry at the fact that he's not being picked. You know, 53rd and 3rd, you're the one they never picked. And then eventually, when he does get picked up, Dee Dee takes on the singing in the bridge and he says, then I took out my razor blades, then I did what God forbade. So it's implied here this is it's his murder here. Not That's not... my favourite point of the song as well, then I took out my razor blade. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you think of Dee Dee's vocals though? Because they're, they're quite rough here. He's not a singer. And, they, and this is the thing, he, initially he was a Ramon singer and he was booted out, well, booted down to bass so Joey could sing. So what do you think of the... Well, it's track 11 and again, I'm getting a new sound. There's something I've not... Yeah. I've not had before mm. uh and that's you know imagine if you're having a 14 course meal but you, you do need a new flavor by yeah. by uh by 11 yeah exactly um so i really enjoyed it and you can't count it made me made me realize that you really can't count the ramones out once it, you once you think it reminded me of gandalf gandalf says to uh to bilbo at one point <laughs> Weirdest segue. you can uh you can learn all there is to know about hobbits in in, in a day and mm-hmm. after 15 years they'll still surprise you yeah <laughs> and that's what it made it made me think and just when i think i know what the ramones is and i know what the album is mm. they throw something else in there mm. uh maybe not as soon as i'd like but they they will surprise yeah. you and it's uh it's it's an interesting way to put an album together and also i think this is sonically this is a from the very start it's a little bit different because this isn't just let's thrash it out with the the hi-hat going as quickly as possible it has that ding, 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 you know really interesting way of it's almost heavy metal, really, that the the start of this, and that's why I think it was a very apt thing for Metallica to cover on that um, "We're a Happy Family" album. It, I mean, I don't think Metallica's version's stunning, but it's a really it fits really well for the style. Uh, so, when was that album recorded? Early two thousands. Yes, I feel like Metallica were going through a really weird phase at that it's point, an anger sort of phase. Yeah, and like so, they were they were good in the eighties and the nineties, and then like in the in the early two thousands, they went through a bit of a lull, hmm. and then they brought it back towards the end of that decade, and then they've become absolute legends since that point. Yeah, so I think that was recorded in in Metallica's lull. Yeah, in my own personal opinion. Yeah, and I think I think the thing is that this at least works for them there's some other songs on that album which are just weird very very weird choices the chili peppers actually do um do havana affair and i th- i would say they definitely chili pepper it but it's not very good um 
so yeah this song very heavy very interesting and the heaviness fits the fact that Dee's vocals even though they are quite ropey he's not a singer it yeah. fits with the character so well doesn't it it's kind of a real life song as well you know yeah. it, 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 there's no there's, his life. there's no guarantee that this is autobiographical not 100% it, this was never been confirmed by Dee. quite and lightly though if it is true uh, he, he took it to his grave mm. um, but um, yeah, yeah a good song and a, a song I, I could actually listen to and you know wanted to sink my teeth into and John, I just caught Johnny looking at the time. This is a 29-minute album, and this is now the longest episode well, of Tummel. We're nearly up to yeah, one hour 29, which is which is interesting. I think that punk discussion at the start. There's so many more tracks. That's don't blame the Ramones. I think it was our our meandering kind of discussion of punk, which is too big of a subject for us to get into, really. So let's dance. So this is a cover by Chris Montez, very famous song, and again the contrast on this album. A very stark. So before we went from I Want to Be Your Boyfriend to Chainsaw, now I've just come from a song about male prostitution and murder to, you know, hey baby, won't you take a chance? <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. And I've, I, they're very stark, but I, d- I don't mind it. You know, I don't mind how how um, interesting the kind of the jolts are on this album. And maybe if you're doing a 14 track album, you need that. Well, I have a connection to this song. Yeah, go on. Because I uh, the um, piano that you, the, the the synth or the keys or the organ, whatever you, you you thought it was when you were listening to it, is actually the Radio City Wurlitzer. Uh, Wurlitzer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I went to Radio City, and uh, there was um, myself, a tour guide, and two non-English speaking people on on the tour that I was on. Wow. Uh, and um, I Packed. think you know I'm a big fan of Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. Uh, and particularly his opening of the Tony Awards in. 2013. Yes, very impressive. So I asked the tour guide if she'd mind if I just sang on the stage. So I, it was empty, and there was only one other English-speaking person there, mm. which is probably the only situation where I would feel comfortable doing that, unless it was full. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, so I sang on Radio City's stage, and I just did the opening verse of Neil Patrick's uh, opening to the Tonys. Oh, I thought you were going to say you, you were doing Let's Dance. But I've seen I've seen the Wurlitzer and uh, Radio City's just uh, just an awesome. Uh, place to be in and it's cool and full of history yeah i managed to i managed to not do that tour while i was in while i was in new york but it would have been a good one to do i think yeah it was maybe it was with awesome. a slightly bigger tour group because just in four people is weird I'll, I'll show you my snaps later brilliant okay so um again this is further proof that we have that kind of obsession with the late 50s and sort of 60s rock and roll style and but they've changed it they've updated it and this live is is such a fantastic song. Whenever the Ramones would play it live, or a lot of the time, Joey would say something to the effect. I mean, he didn't do lots of crowd banter, but he would say, "Okay, let's have a disco," and then they would play this song. Yeah. It would be double the speed of this almost. It's really interesting that they the Radio City's kind of like glitzy and glam, and mm-hmm. you know, like sh- it's show, and yeah. the Ramones are so anti that. Yeah, very so. Gritty. So to have this meeting of of the minds really between mm-hmm. the two is. I find it fascinating. It's one of the most interesting songs on the album, mm. but unfortunately, because it's not theirs, my general rule is that I don't interact that much of it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, it, it's recorded really well is the only thing I yes, want to it say. Is, yeah. it's, it's recorded so well. It's a really fun song to listen to. The tom patterns are, are perfect. And again, it just gives a different flavour to the idea that Ramones were just always down the line, hi-hat, kind of flying relentless this actually has a lot of rhythm about it um slade also did a cover of this which is unlistenable um so tyler i feel like slade get a really hard rap i, I have, then again i've never listened to them 
Uh, other than the Christmas song, which gets... Uh... You've had Come On, Feel The Noise, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have, yeah. But and I don't... you've I seen don't... them? I've seen Noddy Holder. But you've seen what they look like on stage as well? Only in the Christmas video. But they dress like that in general. They're a pantomime band. Were they? Well, well I'd I feel like them. I feel like they get a lot of stick, and I don't know if it's not enough. And uh, well, I don't know if it's uh, called for. Maybe I'll have to look at look into Slade a little bit more. Oh, something I would say to Noddy Holder: I don't want to walk around with you. Um, so yeah, track thirteen, another another fast one. This is another one of the songs that speaks to that essentially sort of juvenile mindset, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think having a song like this, which is just a simple I don't wanna, and it's almost like a child speaking to its mum after she's been mean to it. You it's know? the demographic they're aiming for, isn't it? It's it's, it's that youthful, yeah. uh, the angsty teen. But I still, I still, I really enjoy that. I like, I like what I might call, you know, deeper, in inverted commas, sort of more complicated music. But every now and then it's really important to just play something or listen to something that is is incredibly simple and vital and that's that's what i like about the ramones well i was i when, when i was listening to this i think i think i figured out what my disconnect with ramones uh might be uh, and that's like i we've said this before i like i i focus on singers predominantly when i when i first listen to a, mm-hmm. a band i focus on singers and lyrics and how they connect with an audience now obviously Jerry ramone had no issue connecting with his audience but that there's there's not enough meat to these lyrics for me to you know for me to really mm. want to uh to sing them or to get to know them um i can take that as a criticism of the of the particularly the early ramones stuff definitely yeah but i'd also say there's there's a lot would be lost if the ramones tried to engage in really complex subjects no and I, I mean i know what they're doing you know it's not it's not that i disagree with it mm. it's just that i what i like about music is what they're not doing. Yeah, if you, un- yeah, if you understand, you and 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 I understand it, and I respect it, and I know why they're doing it. Yeah, uh, I'm not call- I'm not I'm not criticizing them for for writing music that way because it's just a different style. Yeah, um, and I and I do respect the Ramones, and I, I like the Ramones, uh, but I probably would prefer stuff from l- the later career. This is where we go back to you preferring stuff like Pet Cemetery or Poison Heart, that kind of thing. Where you've yeah. Got it, the- yeah, and and that's fine. It's, it's and, and, and to, I'll to I'll dep- defend that opinion because I I reckon I've listened to more Ramones tracks than half the people were in those Ramones t-shirts that you see. Yeah, it is one like, of those things when you, that... when you see like kids wearing, you know, they've got the Converse on mm. and the jeans, and they've got a Ramones t-shirt. Yeah, it's like you know how much how much Ramones have you actually heard? And I, I always have to question that. Like, if I see an Iron Maiden T-shirt, mm. I know that that person has listened to Iron Maiden's music. I know that that person's probably been to watch Iron Maiden. Yeah, you can't go and watch the Ramones. I get that, mm. but it's it's a fashion item now. Yeah, I it's think it's not for fans anymore. The iconography has massively, massively outweighed the people who are actually committed to the music and listen to it with any degree of attention. Yeah, and and I know that sounds like a very, very sniffy teenage thing to say, but that's how I felt when I got my Ramones t-shirt and I would be kind of quizzed or made to feel like, do I deserve to wear this t-shirt? So basically all they need to do is on Amazon or eBay or wherever, just a quick quiz, five questions. If they can get those five relatively basic questions, then they can have the t-shirt. Wouldn't that be great? Well, I mean, I'm joking, but maybe, maybe it would be good actually. Um, 
yeah i always look at the model who's wearing it and this is and this is sort of like reverse um sort of reverse i don't know what you call it like what's it called when you have a go at someone for their appearance if the if you if you perceive them to be ugly or whatever i basically think you're too attractive to be wearing that t-shirt which is a, a really stupid thing to say but i just look at these smiling perfect models and think you've never listened to the Ramones in your life <laughs> <laughs> you've never needed to yeah, like yeah, like do do they? Maybe we're saying like idiots now, but like do they? Do they understand what the Ramones represented? Yeah, and also have they you seen know, the Ramones? This alt culture, this this rebellious nature. Yeah, you know, and part of the reason why they or they got into it. Are we being are we being beautyist? I guess so. Yeah, which is probably the last bastion of ists. So apologies, yeah. fit people who listen to this uh, this podcast. Yeah, so, if you'd like me to take you out to dinner. Uh, well, I suppose I owe you one. So, uh... right. So I'm single, by the way. I don't want to walk just, around uh, with you. That out, I don't want to walk around with you. Segways into today you love, tomorrow the world, and I mean I said before the Ramones didn't take on big subjects, but this is pr- a pretty big subject that this uh, this song gets into. Um, so this is I would say the most epic song on the album. It's got quite a long intro. It has a really big conclusion. And I think it's a really good album closer. Again, it's it's good sequencing from the Ramones. This to me is a it's another song that has like Blitzkrieg Bop. It's got lots of different things that you could read as them flirting with fascist imagery in a way that's a bit crude. But I just think, considering well, considering Joey's Jewish heritage, for example, the fact that he was born into a Jewish family and the fact that they are such a cartoon band, I think you'd have to be a bit of a moron to actually assume that the Ramones were actively Nazi in any kind of way. So the reason why I'm getting into this is because we have this idea of um, today Europe, tomorrow the world. This was a phrase that Hitler was apparently meant to had attributed to him, a bit like Marie Antoinette. It was a it was famously attributed to him, but he probably never said it. Today Europe, tomorrow the world, which obviously sounds like today you love tomorrow the world. This is to me has always been a song about domination and either the small scale domination of a of a contemporary skinhead someone who you know who loves this kind of thing and wants to take over the world or hitler wanted to take over the world and it says you know little german boy being pushed around little german boy from a german town and then it said um and then they say eins eins wie drei fear so they changed their own chant of one two three four to the german version it's it's just a really weird song and it's full of all these references to to taking over the world and um yeah did any of that come through for you tyler or did you just sort of listen to it which yeah, is perfectly legit it, it did i mean the fact um i mean i i don't understand and i don't you know i don't know what the song's about i don't think there is a definitive answer to that either i liked that it seemed to bookend because you got blitzkrieg yeah it goes around start. in a circular yeah. kind of fashion you, you know um no, and I don't. I don't think that Joy was, you know, in and in, in, had any kind of Nazi sympathy no. at all. No. Um, but I, I don't know what the attitude was then in the seventies. Obviously, only thirty years hmm. after the war. Well, one of the things that they had to. This is a Didi Ramon song. Didi was brought up largely in in Germany because um, his family were were army based. Right, um, okay. So this is a connection that I didn't know about. Yeah, he had a lot of connections to Germany. Uh this is what I mean this is something that comes up quite a lot in the Ramones. Um they I think they do have a spiritual connection to Germany. I've been to and got a t shirt from the Berlin Ramones Museum, which is fantastic. And 
So there was a line early on in the song where Joey would sing, I'm a Nazi baby, I'm a Nazi, yes I am. Right? He changed that later on to... Um, I'm a so was he born during the war? Who, Joey? No, that can't be. No, it would, he'd be too young. Yeah, he, he was no, about... a DD I was on about, but uh... no, no, he wasn't. They weren't, none of them were that old. No, yeah. Um, but obviously, in the in the aftermath of this, they they learned a lot about the atrocities of the Nazis and yeah. things like that, and obviously that would have a connection to Joey. He, they, the record said they weren't allowed to put that on because it was too offensive, so they changed it to um, "I'm a Nazi Schatz, yes, I fight for the fatherland." So he's playing at this character of being a German soldier, or which I which I think you could read as a German soldier or even Hitler, that kind of thing. Um, and to me, it's about that idea of today, one thing, tomorrow, I'm going to try and conquer everything. It's this idea of a kind of bruised or wounded masculinity, which is present all the way through this album, if you think about it. There's loads of different figures on this album that are disturbed or have been wounded in some sort of way and then take it out violently. So 53rd and 3rd, you know, a Chainsaw, all that, a Blitzkrieg Bop, all that other kind of stuff. They have this weird, sinister undertone. It's not a proper story in any sense. But I think all the way through the album, it's pushing boundaries. That's yeah. That's what it makes you feel uncomfortable because uh, even though it might be quite an innocent song, mm. the singing about things that you know that are taboo subjects. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that might be more of a. And, and I think I don't know. I think that might be more of an American uh, taboo. Yeah. Because I know that uh, in in Britain at the time, uh, and um, <laughs> I mean seventies and eighties sitcoms could be quite uh on pc when you look at them now yeah how and out racist <laughs> yes pretty much yeah um uh, which is very hard to defend but there were nazi characters there were there was a whole show called allo allo mm. which when i was a kid i really enjoyed allo allo um yeah. but but i think the british response was really to uh, like you stiff up a lip and, and you, you know, we're, to satirize. We're, we're, yeah, we're going to satirize and we're going to laugh at the, the Nazis. Mm. I don't know what the 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 feeling was uh, at in, this in, time. In, at that time in America. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it was uncomfortable enough for the record company to threaten to take it off, and they had to adjust the lyrics a bit. And I think it's a better song for that anyway. Um, and I, th- I think you've got to read this as Joey playing with personas, and that's what he's been doing all the way through the album. He's not someone who beats up children with baseball bats. He's yeah. not someone who who chops up women with chainsaws. I think no. I think he's playfully pushing boundaries. Yeah. But but the first time you hear that, or the first time you hear music like that, mm. you obviously alarm bells might might go off. Yeah. Especially if you have a a, a pretty conservative government. Yeah. And the Ramones had um, clashes with censorship and things like that all the, like all the way through the career, and they actually wrote a song. Uh, where they change the final letter of the word censorship, uh, they change it just by one letter to reflect what the, how they feel about censorship. I think you can probably work out the uh, conundrum of of that there. And they're annoyed about records being labelled as vulgar. Yeah. So yeah. it's a really good song, by the way. Check it out if you've never heard that song. Check it out. Last thing I want to say is like you know uh, this is you can really imagine uh, Bono standing on stage uh, just singing these lyrics over and over. Today you love tomorrow the world. Today you love tomorrow the world. Hmm. You you can you you can see where you know the Ramones would have had that influence, not just on yeah. Bono, on but particularly on on people that really like to, you know, have that 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 powerful, peaceful message of love yeah. and uh, just in in like succinct lines of verse. Yeah, but obviously, obviously, you two would kind of flip this, wouldn't it? Now it would, it would become a 
a thing about conquering the world with love, wouldn't it? That would be Bono's spin on it, wouldn't yeah. it? Wouldn't it? Um, we're gonna have to sp- we're gonna have to speed things up a bit here because nobody has a uh, a buzz journey this long. <laughs> um, so uh, my sweetest thing for today, yeah, uh, is thirty uh, third and third, fifty third, fifty third and third. <laughs> Uh, that's my sweetest thing. My sweetest thing is Havana Affair. Okay, and I think we can say this together. Uh, yeah. Our dirty day is one, two, three. Loudmouth. Yeah. I, I kind of ruined that, but yes. I you. like it when we get them get, when we match up. Ding ding. Um, so uh, just to go on to uh, the performance and the stats of things, a Rolling Stone at the time described this as fourteen rock and roll songs exploding like time bombs in the space of twenty nine breathless minutes, and produced on a Republic monogram budget of $6,400, mm. um, which is pretty impressive. And I, did you say they recorded this within seven days? Yep. Wow. Uh, it's um, It's gone platinum in the UK with over 300,000 records sold. And in the United States, it's gold with over 500,000 uh, record, uh, 500, records sold. Um, again, those aren't statistics that are up to date and there was no date attached to these so i imagine it's plus yeah and it it wasn't that successful upon its initial release comparatively speaking to how big of an album this became and i imagine just pure t-shirt sales of this would would dwarf any expectations that were had of this album yeah all those uh little children uh going out buying ramon's t-shirts just to look cool well there's only one thing we can do with those brats yeah, beat them with our baseball bats. Yep, so that's what me and Tyler are off to do then. So uh, we'll see you next week when um, we might be doing another one of the U2's, <laughs> another one of the U2's influences. Yeah, we're doing a U2 influence next week. So uh, yeah, cool. Uh, thank you for sticking with us through the Iron Maiden episode. Uh, hopefully, you're going to stick around because I'm I'm pretty excited about some of the stuff we've got coming up. Yes. As always, we don't know. We can never guarantee when we'll be back, but uh, we're pretty sure we'll be back with you next week. Yeah, so send us your recommendations and obviously any comments, feedback, things like that. Twitter is always your home. You can DM us or just send us a message online. uh, Details at the end of the episode. Always happy to hear from fans. Yeah, thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Gabba, gabba, hey! Bye! Hi there, thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to get in touch, please contact us on facebook.com forward slash review2u or on soundcloud.com forward slash review2 or search for the Review 2 podcast on iTunes. You can also email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Please like, comment and subscribe. Thank you.